This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, February 12th. I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, Jeff Roberts joins the Med Center. Lawson votes on dogs. Rainbow season comes to town and a mountain weather forecast. It's a familiar fate. Someone comes to the Box Canyon to visit, and soon enough, they're enchanted. My daughter had been coming up here for a few years, and she said, oh, you got to come see it. So I came and visited, uh, visited twice, and then uh, bought a condo so that we could come more often. And, uh, and, and skiing, hiking, mountain biking, fishing, uh, every, a little bit of everything in the outdoors is great. That's Jeff Roberts, who, for a long while, was just a part-time visitor working in Denver in healthcare administration and traveling to the San Juans as often as he could. During those years, Roberts says, I've always kind of kept an eye on the medical center, being in the medical field for the past 25 years. And so when the opportunity came up to have a chance to lead the center, I uh, jumped on it and applied and went through the process and uh, very fortunate to get the role. That's right. Roberts is the new executive director of the Telluride Medical Center. His appointment was announced officially in early February, but he's been on the job for a couple months. Roberts is originally from Minnesota. He's worked in healthcare for some 25 years. I um, started out running a primary care clinic and moved on to surgery centers and hospitals. Uh, did some consulting for several years. Uh, I've worked in post-acute care. And uh, pretty much every vertical in healthcare I've been in except for uh, payers. So I've seen pretty much everything there is to see in healthcare. Roberts takes the helm after an embattled and uncertain period at the med center. A series of resignations and interim leaders preceded the naming of Chris Darnell as the director in the summer of 2022. Darnell stayed less than a year, passing the baton to Dr. Diana Colliker, a longtime emergency care practitioner who took up leadership on an interim basis last spring. Then last fall, the Med Center navigated a financial crisis in which area governments had to shore up its budget with a roughly $1.5 million bailout. In November, taxpayers did their part voting on a ballot measure to fork over some cash long-term to keep the med center solvent. Recognizing this context, Roberts promises some stability. Having a stable leadership team is key so that you can stay focused on your initiatives and not have you know, a different, different focus every six months or a year. And it's pretty disruptive when the CEO role turns over. And I plan on staying for a while, so as long as they put up with me, we'll be doing good. Um, but we've really shored up the whole leadership team. We have some new roles um, that previous weren't there. Um, and just the, the level and caliber of our leadership team is phenomenal. In addition to bringing stability both to the Med Center's finances and to its leadership, Roberts named outreach to currently underserved communities and the long-term planning of a new facility as current Med Center priorities. In closing... He adds, Myself and the center whole understand the responsibility we have to the residents and people and the tourists that come to Telluride and providing the medical service that are needed. We feel that big responsibility and we're going to deliver on that big responsibility. Dr. Deanna Colliker, who is serving as interim CEO, has returned to her prior and longtime position at the Med Center running the facility's emergency and trauma services. The discussion surrounding the allowance of dogs in Lawson Hill has been percolating for years. Now it's coming to a vote. 
KOTO's Julia Caulfield has more. When Lawson Hill was created as a neighborhood in San Miguel County in the 1990s, the Planned Use Development, or PUD, stipulated no dogs would be allowed. The concern was if you allowed dogs, there would be uh, negative interactions and impacts um, with the wildlife. That's Tom Kennedy, a lawyer representing the Lawson Hill Homeowners Association. Lawson Hill wasn't the only neighborhood with a PUD prohibiting dogs. Aldosoro and Mountain Village also had similar rules. But over the years, Aldosoro voted to allow dogs and Mountain Village incorporated into a town, which allows dogs. So Lawson Hill remains one of the only neighborhoods in the county with its dog prohibition. But that could be changing. Here's Ginny Gordon, a board member for the Lawson Hill HOA, speaking at a recent community forum. The board feels that it's an appropriate time to take an actual binding vote. I just want you guys to make that decision so that the board can say we're acting on the democratic process of our owners who have made this decision. We really would like to put this to bed because the people that are pro-dogs think there's more of them than the anti-dog people think there's more of them. With the vote, residents and businesses in Lawson Hill will be given the opportunity to say whether they would like to allow dogs in the neighborhood or keep the ban as it stands. In order to change its rules, the Lawson Hill HOA requires 67% of voting members to approve a measure. Each homeowner gets a vote and business owners get one vote per 1,000 square feet of commercial space. However, in the case of dogs, Lawson Hill will also require approval from San Miguel County to change its PUD. For that reason, the HOA says it specifically wants buy-in from residents in Lawson. So in addition to the 67%, the HOA is also requiring 51% approval from residents specifically. Kennedy again. So if the majority of the residential owners don't support it, then it wouldn't. Then, then you would not pursue the PUD, and the PUD, the, the the process would end at that point. If Lawson Hill members show support for dogs, that doesn't necessarily mean it will happen. San Miguel County will need to approve a change to the PUD, which will likely include another wildlife study. If there is support, we would need to engage a wildlife biologist to evaluate the area to determine whether or not there is the possibility of being able to have dogs, but being um, s successfully able to mitigate or, or manage the impacts. While there are no dog pets in Lawson, there are currently 31 dogs living in the community as service or emotional support animals. ESA animals are allowed per federal and state law if the owner acquires an exception stating they require the animal for their health. That's why now we're in a situation where we have a no-dog community, but we have 31 dogs, which are all completely legal and deserve the respect of the neighbors um, for their right to have those animals with them. The discussion of dogs in Lawson Hill isn't a new one, and the conversation has at times been contentious. While discourse at the meeting was civil, residents shared their opinions on the matter, both those without dogs. I have a really hard time imagining in this dense neighborhood when we have triple, quadruple, five times the number of dogs that we have right now, because that's what's going to happen if we open it up. And almost every, a lot of people will get dogs, and I just feel like right now, relatively well behaved. 
even well-behaved dogs are barking. And I like, I love the silence. It's like one of the most important like the treasures that we have in Lawson Hill <laughs> is the silence. And I value that more than almost anything that we have there. And those with. It would be lovely to not feel like I'm smuggling drugs when I take my dog out to potty <laughs> and then get a dirty look when I run in to get the bag and then come back out and scoop it up. That would be lovely to not feel hated um, because my son has a need. Gordon says regardless of the outcome on the vote, she hopes the community will come together with respect. This dichotomy has, has really, in some cases, made people hate each other. And it's, it's just really, really unfortunate. And whatever we do, we would encourage all of, all of our community to be, be more understanding of somebody, walk in somebody else's shoes, be more understanding, be more respectful. Lawson Hill HOA voters began casting ballots on whether or not to allow dogs in Lawson Hill on February 12th. HOA members will be able to submit their ballot through the end of February. If 67% of the full voting membership and 51% of residential voters support allowing dogs, the Lawson Hill HOA can go to San Miguel County requesting an amendment to its PUD. We're less than two weeks out from a week like no other here in the Box Canyon. That's Telluride Gay Ski Week, which officially kicks off on February 24th. While the week has a long history in Telluride, this is only the second time it's been put on by SBG Productions. So we're very excited. Um, you know, last year went extremely well, better than we could have hoped for. Um, so I think everyone's feeling pretty good going into year two now. That's Marcus Smith, who's on the team with SBG, the Telluride-based event company, which also produces Jazz Fest and Blues and Brews. For over two decades, Gay Ski Week has brought some color to the black and white vistas of the San Juan winter, both on the ski hill and at storied dance parties and late-night venues in town. SBG has kept the favorites. The iconic white party is back, this year with two venues at both the Alibi and the Sheridan. Then there's the return of the Gay Chalet at Garano's for some slopeside at Bray. This year, they have also added a closing party, the Glitter Ball, with L.A.-based DJ duo Bears in Space. Then, of course, there are the burlesque shows. Here's Smith. Burlesque and drag, that's going to be Friday and Saturday night uh, at the Sheridan Opera House. I think last year, that was probably the hottest party of the, of the weekend. Add Grant Redover, who also works with SBG. It's definitely a highlight for me for the week. It's very personal to Telluride with uh, the House of Shimmy Shake performing with uh, some very renowned drag queens. Tickets remain available for the burlesque show and a handful of other favorites. And for the penny-pinching locals, you can still have fun. The opera ski parties daily are going to be free, and those are going to move around each day. Also, on Thursday, we're doing a ski parade that will meet at the top of Lift 7 and is going to end at Garano. The highlight for Redover is sharing our remote mountain home with LGBT folks from far and wide. Last year, he says, I traveled to a couple of gay ski weeks and, you know, I went to Aspen Gay Ski Week as well as Whistler Gay Ski Week. And having friends from both of those events come out to Telluride, they all felt the sense of community Telluride had. 
Smith agrees, the town has long supported Gayski Week, and that spirit of mutual celebration is what it's all about. Our community here in Telluride is very accepting, and everyone's very open to all sorts of things. So it is fun to gay up the community for a week and just be open and accepting to all different kinds of people, which is a good look for a community. This year's Gay Ski Week begins on Saturday, the 24th of February, and closes down on Saturday, March 2nd, with the Glitter Ball and a burlesque show. All week long, the days are packed with opportunities to ski, dance, indulge, dress up, and so on. For those who want to get involved and enjoy behind-the-scenes access, you can still volunteer for anything from leading a ski group to ushering a comedy show, which features Gus Kenworthy, Daniel Webb, and Roz Hernandez. To volunteer, get a ticket and browse the schedule. Visit TellurideGaySki.com. There's an opportunity this Wednesday to explore the talk therapy resources available in our region. Tri-County Health is hosting an information session from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Wilkinson Public Library on February 14th to help you or a loved one sign up for mental health counseling. The meetings will be held one-on-one in a confidential session with Tri-County's Behavioral Health Coordinator, Tammy Javery. Get your questions answered about free therapy, finding a good match with a therapist, and you can even sign up. Although it's just one way to care for your mental well-being, 70 to 80% of people who use talk therapy say they experience an improvement in their symptoms. That's according to the American Psychological Association. TCH will hold another session on February 21st. Find details at telluridelibrary.org. Recent storms brought more snow to a wide swath of the Rockies. That helped erase snow drought conditions and boost the region's water supply. Most of Colorado and Utah are showing about 90 to 100 percent of average for February snow totals. Even most snow data from New Mexico and Arizona is well above average. The only area with significantly below average snowfall conditions is in the Four Corners region. There, some sensors are reporting 70 to 80 percent of normal snow. Water managers around the West keep a close eye on snow in Colorado's mountains as it makes up two-thirds of all the water in the Colorado River. The river supplies cities and farms across seven states. Jackson, Wyoming will once again be home to one of the state's only abortion providers. After a two-month gap in services, the local hospital announced last week it would resume allowing doctors to provide abortion care. As Jackson Hole Community Radio's Hannah Mersbach reports for Rocky Mountain Community Radio, this could mean more access across the state. Since the local women's health clinic closed in December, there's been no in-person abortion options in the northwest part of the state. But after a lengthy legal review, St. John's Health announced it will let family physician Dr. Katie Noyes offer that care. Her former colleague, Dr. Jovanina Anthony, applauded that decision. Dr. Noyes being able to be a reliable and solid provider here in Teton County frees me up to work things out possibly in other parts of the state. So I feel like ultimately that leads to more access to services. 
Anthony says it'll free her up to potentially help out the abortion clinic in Casper, and she'll focus on activism. She's part of the group suing the state in Teton County Court to protect access to the service. A decision on the future of reproductive rights in the state could come any day. For KHL News, I'm Hannah Mersbach. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a clear night tonight with a low around 15 degrees. Tuesday brings sun with a high near 40, followed by a partly cloudy night with a low in the mid-teens. Wednesday, expect sun again with a high near 35 degrees, followed by a clear night with a low near 20. This has been the news for Monday, February 12. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Hello, everyone. This is Lance Waring, County Commissioner for District 2. I'd like to invite you to join me for Conversation and Coffee this Thursday, February 15th from 8.30 to 10 a.m. at the Telluride Brewing Company in Lawson Hill. That's a bit too early for Tommy Thatcher to have the beer taps open, but Nick Hill and the Steaming Bean will provide traditional morning beverages. I look forward to hearing your thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. On another note, I'd like to share a few highlights from the agendas for two upcoming commissioners' meetings. On Wednesday, February 14th, the board will meet at 9.30 a.m. for a work session. Work sessions are designed for conversation, but no formal decisions are made. The commissioners meet every Wednesday, shifting back and forth between work sessions and regular meetings. So on February 14th, we'll be hosting past and present San Miguel County Poet Laureates to hear their suggestions for changes to that program to make it more inclusive. We'll also be talking with the County Building Department regarding current and future code enforcement policy. Wednesday, February 21st, will be a regular meeting where the commissioners may hold votes to make formal decisions. There are three items currently on the draft agenda that may be of particular interest to community members. At 9.35, we'll hear an update from the Uncompahgre Medical Center's Executive Director, Chuck Porth. Next, at 10.05, Sarah Landryu will present the annual report for the Wilkinson Public Library. Then, at 10.35, we'll hold a public hearing regarding the updated Telluride Regional Airport Master Plan. The plan has been vetted by the County Planning Commission and will be up for examination and possible adoption by the commissioners. The remainder of the meeting will consist of directors' updates from various departments, including human services, natural resources, parks and open space, public health, special projects, the attorney's office, and the county manager. It's possible that none of the topics on these two agendas pique your interest but it's probable that the commissioners will be discussing a topic in your wheelhouse sometime in the future. To ensure you don't miss something you care deeply about, please take a moment and go to the county's website where you can sign up for automatic email notifications regarding future agendas in your areas of interest. Thanks for your time, and thank you, Coda. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You're also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Kodo. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.